Welcome to the Practical Missions Podcast. I'm your host. Today on the pod, I talk to a big plate, high capacity kind of guy. He's done a lot and has been involved in some diverse projects over the years. He's a thought leader in missions, but also is down in the trenches every day doing one-on-one discipleship with local Arabs. I love that. Usually you get one or the other. You get somebody who's a thought leader up in the ivory tower, or you get somebody down in the trenches who has no say in what's kind of driving and motivating and guiding uh, missions on a, on a big scale. But this guy kind of straddles both of them. In our conversation, we talk about marketplace and cloud workers. And I just want to talk about this a little bit just to give you an overview of what this is so you're not confused when we get there. The idea behind these two terms is that as uh, mission organizations look out over this world that we have and over the 1040 window and over how many millions and billions of people are without the gospel, the question is, are we going to be able to reach them doing what we're doing now? Are our methods now enough to be able to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus? And the answer to that question is no. All right. So if it's not enough, how are we going to reach these people? So the answer has been or is now becoming, all right, we want to pivot from a kind of raise your support, go through churches, go through individuals, get sent out by a mission organization kind of missionary to what they call a cloud worker or a marketplace worker. And this is basically just anybody, anybody who has a skill, anybody who has a job, anybody who has a degree who wants to use that for the kingdom in an unreached place. So it could be some random person from a random uh, city in America or Europe or Australia who goes to Dubai or goes to Saudi or goes to Uzbekistan using their trade but in a kingdom mindset. Or it could be a Filipino maid in Syria or in Turkey who's a believer and says, like, hey, I, I'm a domestic worker here, but I want to use my time in the house I work in uh, for the glory of God. So these would be marketplace or cloud workers. I hope those terms are helpful for you. Uh, as always, you can find the podcast on any podcast app uh, by typing in PM Pod, Practical Missions Podcast, PM Pod, or you can go to the website pmpod.org and there you'll find our catalog of, of all of our all, all the episodes we've recorded until now and some other helpful resources. All right, let's get into this conversation. I think first I would just like to get kind of a, a short background on you just for people listening so they can kind of hear uh, who who they're listening to kind of a background on uh, who you are uh, what you've been doing how long you've been on the field and what maybe what's your main emphasis uh, right now yeah okay so after I finished school I took a role as, as an apprentice electrical fitter mechanic and developed in that role until became a professional technician in high voltage I got married during that time to my amazing wife and Part of the process of, uh, of even courting my wife was a real defined understanding that God didn't have a white picket fence life for us. God had tapped me on the shoulder through some experiences and it had made clear to me that I was going to, I was committed to whatever God has me to do, whether that's whatever country, wherever he wants us. And, and so through that, my wife was signed into something that she also believed God was leading her into ministry. She just didn't know what that was. And fortunately, my wife is a lawyer, so I 
I was able to marry someone who was able to bring a lot of intellect into our marriage, which is helpful for me. So we, we took a time to sit before the Lord and our church really saw that there was a gifting in us for this sort of space. So they started mentoring us and and, and, and bringing them under, under their wing to sort of say, okay, we believe that God has something for you guys in a, a missional space. So we, we want to develop you guys and prepare you guys for that. And we we'll want to see where we can... Um, see what that looks like in the future. So we started time preparing. We did some survey trips, and and we really we we knew that God was leading us towards the Muslim world because when He touched me on the shoulder, and He said, to, when God touched me on the shoulder and said, "I have this plan for you." It was when someone stood up in front of the church and they said, "You know, there is parts of the world where there's over one million Muslims and there's no Christian witness." Now, I just had this ideological view that there was missionaries everywhere just packing the world out. Uh, turns, out that, <laughs> turns out that wasn't the case, and that shocked me to the, my core. It really did. Mm. Sitting in a big church, a church of 2,000 plus, and, and we're constantly trying to reach the neighbors and all these types of things. I looked around, I thought, we have 2,000 people here who can go out and reach these people in our community, and this is great. But it, it only seems that there is a select few that God touch, taps on the shoulder and says, I have something else for you to do. And for me, that, that I started pursuing that space. And that was really the, the, the nutshell, the story behind us then taking these steps towards God leading us out of the country. And we weren't too sure what that would look like. But then it, it became clear that we landed on a place where God was really leading us to. And we needed to find someone that was economical. We needed to find someone that was going to get us good Arabic. We needed to find someone that was really going to challenge us. And we needed to find someone where that, that message of one Muslim to more, one, one Christian to more than a million Muslim was real. And so the place that we landed on was Yemen. Now, that was a kind of a wild, wild thing to come, come, uh, come across uh, our table, if I if I may put it like that. But the more that we prayed into it, the more that God was laying that plan out for us. Um, so we ended up after three years of marriage and uh, having our first daughter, we set off. We we quit our jobs. We uh, hmm. started to raise the support. We went in a very traditional manner, and we were going to go to Yemen. And in 2011, January 2011, we headed off to Yemen. When we got to Yemen. People started protesting in the streets. There was riots. There was people getting shot by the military. There was an upheaval. And of course, you know, I'm referring to the Arab Spring in Yemen was really starting to take hold. So we really turned up in the thick of it. So we spent a lot of time in curfews inside our house that we're staying in. And there's helicopters flying over and we're hearing shots mm. in the street. and So it wasn't really what we planned to go into. Plus, my wife had never been there before. She'd been to the Arab world, but not to Yemen. Yemen is a particularly wild place. Like, it, it it's the <laughs> edge of the earth, you know. Um, wow. when my, wife, my wife said to one of the leaders that was there at the time, she said, I didn't realize that I was going to be going to, to a third world country. And he said to her, no, sister, this is not third world. This is fourth world. This is a whole wow. different world. Um, wow. and, and it is, it is that there, there is such a, such a, just a uniqueness to this country in itself, but we started to fall in love with it. We started to really enjoy it. We started to do language. We started setting up. We were sort of still pursuing it, even though our government was telling us to go home, um, not to be there. It was dangerous, but we, we, we took the leading of the organization that was there and we kept pressing on. However, there was a massacre and a few days after that, it was 
becoming mm. clear that as a new worker, it wasn't the place for us to be. New worker with oh. a little girl, this could be really dangerous. If you're seasoned and you had contacts and you had place, sure, we want that. So uh, we were there for like six weeks and then, you know, wow. ripped out of the country only to uh, to have to go out and uh, go somewhere else. So that was it for us. That was the end of that, that opportunity. Uh, from there, we moved to a, a few different places, um, three years uh, we were in Europe, and then then after that, God really pulled us back into the Arab world, and we've been here ever since. So since about 2014, we've been back in the Arab mm. world, and it's been a um, really interesting journey. We we really wanted to go back to that to, to Yemen originally. That was something that we really had to, but it's just got worse and worse. And mm. and and to be honest, if I put it out there, our heart really bleeds for that country. I mean, there's such a such a difficult place. So. Wow, that's an incredible be like beginning story. God calls you to a place and then that place falls apart the moment you arrive. Hopefully there's no correlation between you getting there and the country falling apart. Yeah. Tell me about I mean you're you're a big uh, plate guy. You are a high capacity person. You've done a lot of things. What what are what are some of the emphases 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 what are some of your emphasis over the years, and what what is your kind of what what is your emphasis now? Yeah, so this is really this is this is a great question because we have this. Uh, my wife and I have this uh, kind of. Uh, we always try and take whatever learnings we've gained and try and apply it to the situation that we're currently in, looking forward to the future, looking forward to what is what is where is this going to end up. So before I before I left my home country, I met. I met with this guy who was, you know, on these boards and he was always, he'd been really successful in business, but he'd been sustainably frustrated throughout the years. And he, he pulled me aside and said, listen, people like us see what the place is going to be like in seven years. We talk mm. about it now, but no one gets on board because they don't understand. They can't perceive what you're perceiving. He said, you just got to get used to the fact that if you see something and you have vision for something, it will probably come about five to seven years after you see it. And it really kind of, mm. I was a young guy and it really kind of never really uh, thought about, thought, oh yeah, fair enough. But over the years, we've we've seen that quite often that we'd be like hammering something about something and, and we see in the future, oh, it's coming about now. Now time kind of brings that about. So for example, when we were, when we were, um, when we first came back to the Arab world, we started looking at what was happening on the ground and what we'd heard about. Uh, what was available tools and, 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 and training that was available when we were in Europe and we weren't seeing a correlation and and so we started mm. to take some time to say hey we've got these people on the ground these are ground workers and there seems to be a really lack of connection to what is actually happening and what the tools mm. and the training is going on um, if I may use the term loosely in the in the ivory tower offices that are kind of overseeing and um, and, and leading this work. So we started trying to build connection into that space. And what we discovered through that is that there seemed to be a disconnect between generational generations that was going on there. And so for, for us, this, this was something we started to pursue where we started to go, well, what does it look like for next generation workers? What does it look like for millennials coming to the field? Now that's when millennials were a bit younger. Um, we're, we've, we've kind of passed that time because now millennials are yeah, I, i'm a, i'm a, i'm a millennial and i'm old yeah right we we are we, we have to really see us from that perspective but back in 2014 we were mm, a bit younger yeah. that was seven years ago and there was a yeah. def, the defined generational 
um, the fine generational gap and particularly with the Gen X generation who had just kind of moved into leadership, uh, um, mm. pulling it from the boomers, they were very holding on to very tightly and they'd lost the sort of, there was this, there was this, there was this kind of underlying conflict between um, the, the generations that were, they, the Generation X couldn't understand why the millennials were the way they were. Um, and there was just this tension point. So we kind of really uh, engaged in that. Um, we, we spoke on some podcast actually with regards to this type of subject mm. and, and, and had an opportunity to really speak out uh, and, and help build that connection between the two. Now, like I said, time has brought it about, but time has also brought about the fact that automatically millennials are moving into an age now where they are starting to having to take the reins simply because now we're into the 40s, right? Um, yeah. So we're in a different we're a different age bracket, but we that that subject hasn't gone away. Yeah. There's a Gen X Gen Z issue right now. We're just not equipped to be dealing with that ourselves, though we respect and we really want to see Gen X grow. So that was one of the things, emphasis. Uh, as we as we then moved out of that, we moved into really thinking about media ministry. Um, we really pushed hard into developing media ministry and, and next generation kingdom workers. So what does it look like for the, the next generation of, of, of workers that are going to come out that are super savvy in the social media world to be apply their skills and to be able to apply that within the media space. How are we doing media well? What are we doing with regards to follow-up? So I was involved in a lot of that that area of media and follow-up and and how that and, I, and I've had a real opportunity to see that develop in the, the M to DMM space and be part of that conversation for a number of years now. But God has led us through that time as well and we are now into a different mm. space. Um, and the space that were really that that was really created by the COVID epidemic, when we all got shut in, we were kind of involved in all different types of um, you know media staff or leading teams in different countries. And as it as it came to came to pass, COVID kind of put a handbrake on all that, and um, we found ourselves not being involved or not even wanting to be involved in some of these leadership roles, but rather. The community that we live in right now, which is a very local community, had no option but to bind together and we were part of that binding together of the community because we have lots of quarantines, uh, not quarantines, lots of shut uh, lockdowns and those types of things. And our relationships and the depth of our relationships soared. And that really brought, we, we always had the relationship, we always knew that you know, we were workers by, at heart first and foremost. So we always had those relationships, but never to the scale and the depth that God that, that mm. we were able to, to dive into during um, due to the COVID um, pandemic. So that changed our perspective again because we were like, okay, well, God, if you have us in this, let's do that. Let's let's go back into one hundred and one. You know, mm. you know, even you know the, the work that God has called us to do. Let's just do that. Yeah. And so that's where we're at right now, and we are laboring with everything we can trying to understand how to bridge and break down the barriers and we're dealing with a culture that is constantly what we call reculturifying within the Arab world they're mm. always reculturifying because there's so many inputs into what they're doing so we're we're we are always navigating new things new thinking you know and 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 how we can actually drop the droplets of gold into their life that will help them lead them into God's kingdom. It's interesting the the the, the different things you you've been through and I want to come back and touch on some of those things, but I also want to just camp here for a minute. 
you are also involved in, uh, you know, what, what is it going to look like for the future of missions, thinking through some of these ideas uh, or marketplace missions. And so you're kind of bridging the gap between these two at the moment, aren't you? You're in the, you're in the marketplace, but you're also highly involved in your com- community. Yeah. I'm curious to know from your perspective, what, what, is that, what does that look like and how viable is marketplace missions when it comes to the amount of time maybe people need to invest in their communities in order to have any sort of impact outside of their, you know, maybe 9, 9, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. job and uh, their family or whatever it is, whatever it is for uh, people in, in the marketplace, in the Arab world. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. Um, there's a there's there's a couple of things that come to mind when you you first ask that. that. Um, when we think about when we think about marketplace workers, first and foremost, you know, when you stepped out of your home country to come to the field or thinking about that, you have to be all in. Like, yeah. there's no there's no place for. And I'm going to get a little bit harsh here, you, but there's no there's no place for just being half baked in what you do, right? Mm. We have a whole different world to what it was 20 or 30 years ago. Those guys that came out here, they were all in, like they they were 24 seven all in to the work they're doing. That doesn't mm. change when you become a marketplace worker. You have to make the sacrifices that are necessary to be able to reach the people that you're in. So Marketplace Workers does two things. Firstly, you're able to invest into the country that you're living in, the country with your business or with your uh, with your role. So you are showing the local people that you are interested not only in them, but actually in their country, in their economy, in building something for them or something with them, um, mm-hmm. which is extremely helpful to build that sort of... Um, bring you into their circles. Um, so that's the first thing that's really important. The second thing that's really important about marketplace workers is I really feel like that we haven't haven't really defined what a marketplace worker is that well. Mm. And, and the reason why I say this is because we often think about a marketplace worker as someone that's going to come, that's going to get a job or start a business and they're going to be fully self-sustainable. There's going to be no need for support, so they're mm. able to do what they need to do. And this is a great new model because we're not going to have our churches having to raise support to send people overseas. I don't entirely think that's actually accurate. Hmm. Interesting. Tell me more. And the reason why I don't think that's accurate is because if we have come as a worker, we have come with an apostolic gifting. If we've come with mm. apostolic gifting. It doesn't matter whether you've got a job or not. Then, and if you've been, if you're coming with that apostolic gifting, then, well, I would suggest that you you would need to be sent, right? If we look at a biblical model, you know, mm, interesting, the church, yeah. The church, the church will then lay your hands upon you, um, and anoint you, and send you, and be behind you, and support you, even though you're still a marketplace worker. And that support mm. may may have to still be financial. It may be a supplementing of the income that you come. Let me explain what I mean by that. If this is a very raw ver- um, example, but if a church, if a church back home in one of our countries decides they're going to put on a, a outreach event, well, then the church will reach into its outreach budget and 
spend the money that is in the outreach budget to create the outreach event. It's not the daily activities budget. It's a budget normally they'd have a budget set aside for outreach. The same thing applies when you're a, a marketplace worker. Marketplace workers generally on the ground will be able to sustain their living position that they're in. They, they've come with a job, so they're able to live here. However, if you start then entering into a ministry scenario where you're doing outreach all the time or you're reaching people or you're, mm. you're, 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 you're doing hospitality at a large scale that you wouldn't normally do as a workplace worker, maybe there's extra equipment that you need that you normally wouldn't need if you're just a normal expat worker, uh, expat sort of, um, yeah, expat uh, employee there may be even living a, a living requirement that is needed a, a different type of vehicle or a, a supplementing a bigger villa because you're going to be holding other people into your villa um and for us that is one of the things that is important you know like that that these are these are extra things mm. that you wouldn't normally need if you're just an expat and yeah but as a as a worker as an expat, mm. as, a, as a marketplace worker who has a um, has a, a apostolic anointing, and has been is is supported and prayed for and anointed by the church, then the church still has a responsibility to be behind that person. I be I believe this. When when you have people coming out the field, and they don't have a church backing, and there hasn't an authority over them, but they want to come as a worker then it becomes much more difficult for them to enter into the worker community because there's a, there's a lack of trust, there's a lack of accountability, and you're not too sure what to make of this person. They may have all the 100%. heart, but they haven't got that anointing and sending and they haven't got that vetting behind them, which I think that's part of God's plan, then they're going to struggle to find the community to get around them. I know there's a lot in that. No, it's very good. I, I actually really like your perspective. I've never, I've actually never heard anybody articulate it in that way. The idea of calling, the idea of apost apostolic calling, the idea of the value of a church being behind you and the resources that one might need or that one is going to need uh, going out, not just resources in training, resources in understanding how to navigate uh, ministry, but also like, physical resources that one might need as they proactively pursue uh, their calling in in missions and the marketplace. Uh, I think I think those are really strong points. Do you feel like uh, that these kind of points are? I know I know in in the organization I work for. Uh, market uh, move, moving forward, we, you know, the, the cloud or marketplace or just sending anybody out that's a huge thing right now. That's a huge on ramp, uh, into missions. Do you feel like what you're talking about is kind of what people who are who are driving and spearheading these things are also talking about or focusing on? Yeah, so the, I actually had a chat with some guys who are leading this space back. Um, Back in the in the US, and they were and they were talking to me about this, and and the, the, their perspective was, look, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. We need more people out here to see more work done. And I was, I, mm. I kind of reflected on that, and I I, 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 I responded. And I said, I would rather see one person that has a gifting by the mm. Holy Spirit who can see forty people come into God's kingdom to plant a church to to have that that anointing upon him. Then 40 guys out here have just come because I think it's a cracking good idea and that's going to get them, yeah. you know, and 40 people who don't see any. And look, sadly, 
sadly, we see many people, and I, this is from my experience, this is why we're in this space right now. We have seen people just come out on a whim and they burn out and they get hurt yeah. it, because it's a yeah. dangerous game that we play in. People just say, oh, it was a dangerous because of physical. No, dangerous because Satan knows how to crush your identity. Satan knows how to crush mm. you um, in a way that you have no idea. He's not interested in, you know, um, he is, but I mean, he's not really interested in the, if I may use loosely, sort of like the tangible hocus pocus type of spiritual warfare. He will eat away at your soul here and he will start to burn you out. And we see people going home hurt and burnt out emotionally and mentally because they just, they just have been, um, yeah, they've just found it so difficult here. And we've also seen people, they start taking you know, depression medication, they start self-medicating, and mm. they, they don't know why they're having to deal with things the way they're dealing. So we have to go back to why this is happening. And one of the things that they said back to me when I, when I responded to, you know, we need this anointing and sending us to these same people I was talking to, they said, well, the and, and this is what they said to me, so I'm only quoting them, the American church isn't equipped to be able to anoint and send people across in the way that you're talking about. And so that really sort of stunned me a little bit. Now we're talking, you know, a demographic, I guess, of a certain part of the country yeah. they're talking about. But this, I think, is if we look at the body of Christ and how it should function well, then I think this is an essential part of people coming to the field. That's just how I'm seeing it right now and this perspective that God has given us. Do you know, can you help me understand what they meant? more when they said that the the american church for example isn't equipped to send people out like this what what were they talking about yeah i think it was very much around this 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 idea of um identifying people within your within your congregation who mm -hmm. have a spiritual gifting then and and really call them out training them laying hands on them anointing them sending them out now we see some churches quite the other way you know sometimes there's like antioch Boston have really centered their ministry around this and there's other churches that have good ministry. don't don't um, that's, this is a generalization but the, that yeah. was the feedback they said in the general church, they don't have that type of thinking. And I was like, well, maybe some of you organizations who are missional back home, back in, or not home for me, but back in the States, maybe you guys should be equipping your churches better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there might be another <laughs> yeah. role for you instead. So, um, yeah, hmm. I think it's one of the, it's one of the, the, the downfalls of a highly individualistic society where you're not even, it's not even on your radar anymore uh, to help people, to direct people, to lead people. It's just like, man, do whatever you want. Uh, you're an individual. We're not going to tell you what to do or, or how to do it in, in a very positive, good way. I mean, I don't mean in a... Uh, in a dictatorial sense, but this idea of identifying people and sending people out, I, I think most churches in the West would say, well, that's the individual's responsibility, not ours. Uh, and that, I think that's where we find ourselves sort of tripping over. The, the body of Christ is set up to have people that are different roles, you know, you, you, looking at yeah, Ephesians, Ephesians 4, they, they, they lay out just very simple, you know, um, apostle, pastor, teacher, you know, evangelist and, and prophet. And I just, I, I label them just as an easy, 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 um, easy one to sort of illuminate. But we, we, there are certain parts of that where you should be able to see a gifting. A pastor who is a pastor of church has a gifting to be a pastor and he should be able mm. to identify and with the with the, with the, with the group of elders or council, whatever he has leading the church, see these people and be able to 
to identify these people to send them overseas if, if God has called them. Now, it might be up to the individual to approach the church. Sure. Hey, I've really felt God pressing in this space. Then it's up to the church to go, okay, well then let's uh, let's take you on a journey. Let's see where God needs mm. you. To, well, let's let's have a, have a look at where you're at um, mentally and spiritually. Because when you land on the field here, any identity issues, any mental issues, any yeah. spiritual issues... Yeah are going to be magnified, magnified and compounded, aren't they? Exactly. More than you know. More than you know. And and uh, and, I, and I I and it doesn't stop ever because hmm. you think you got past one of the all big issues and then you know, next week you've like I didn't even realize I had this issue, but it's there. Yeah. And it's actually wow. it's a wound from blah and it's coming out and the way you're reacting to things and the way you feel about things and and we've got to constantly be be checking ourselves. And if we're not even equipped to do that within our personal space, then we're going to struggle to reach those that have far, far greater problems and struggles than we do. And hey, so- let's like, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, let's talk about this kind of member care, uh, burnout, anxiety, yeah. positive self care yeah uh what whatever whatever that looks like do you have any thoughts on on that subject for workers on the field yeah this is a very interesting um subject actually it it, uh, it probably goes back to some of our emphasis because we actually went through a quite a uh, struggle in this area for a time in fact um i couldn't figure something out that was going on with us as a family we were just really Mm. down we were really struggling we'll um we're exhausted and I actually got invited to go to a conference that was focusing on this um, and paid for by one of my good friends who was like, I'm, I'm going to do anything I can to get you guys back up and running because uh, mm. we were really struggling. And I went to this conference and I actually said to the guy who's running it, I said, listen, I'm God's going to have, well, I, yeah, I probably said it like this. God's going to have to do something this week or I don't think we're going to be on the field anymore. I think we're done. Wow. Um, so because just the way that I was reacting, the way that I was leading my family, I could see there was just so many chinks. It wasn't a happy place. And how can I be on the ground calling the love of Jesus when I wasn't displaying that within my own home? And, uh, and it was just a little bit, it was miserable for us at the time. And so so this event was absolutely life-changing for us um, and for me particularly as a father and as a husband um, and as a as a child of god i was able i really we we it was it was an event where they really focused on different elements uh, looking back to your identity looking at your your you know your needing to forgive things you need to repent of your family sin patterns those types of things um, among others were really profound for me and um and be able to dig down and start. You go. There's so many aha moments that happened that week, and how mm. the demonic can be involved. And you know, and through that, one of the big statements that came out of it was, you know, our spiritual warfare is the most difficult within ourselves. You know, that the mm. constant footholds we give to the devil, the constant, um, the, you know, the enemy constantly speaking. Um, lies into our lives, trying to twist us and turn us from where we should be. And that comes with both coming from history, family sin patterns, things we might have agreed with in the past, but it, also, but it also comes with just not being alert and not being awake to what Satan is doing in that in that moment and to see things for really what they are, you know, um, small addictions mm. and, 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 and things that we consume. And that's also been part of, um, this is also something I'm very interested in is, 
um, the, the lifestyle of a worker is very, very important to how God is going to be able to, to work through them to reach the people that they're seeking to reach. Um, Tell me more about that. Yeah, so we, uh, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, as you do, how, how am I going to reach these amazing, <laughs> amazing people that God has set me out to reach? And, and I spent some time praying and thinking, and, and, and this, it really started to occur to me. There's all these different factors, right? It's good to have language. It's good to understand. Actually, it's good to have language. It's essential to have culture. So I'm going to add essential because language is important. Hmm. Culture is essential. If you can't get the culture, then it's going to be very, yeah. it's impossible. Uh, good to have language. Essential, essential to have culture. It's good to have. Um, it's good to have the right posture. As in, when I say posture, is in you're here to love, to serve, to understand them. It's good to also have certain types of training, elements of training, which is, you know, different types of CP training, you know, DBS training, all this type of thing. That's all, that's all important. And, and I think just, just, if I just, if I just pause on that for a second, actually come back to this because I want to just talk about the training thing a bit later, but uh, so those things are important. But then I, I thought, well, but what really is it that, that gives us this opportunity? And, and those three things that came to mind. The first thing is, our purity and integrity hmm. that above all things is the most important thing you know to 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 as, as a as a father as a husband as a as a person living on the you know living on the field hmm. and that includes so then we look at you know some of the things biblical premises for that you know what we consume what we bring in what we look at what we listen to will come out of us in the right or wrong way so I really struggled with someone. Someone at worker came up to me and said, "Oh yeah, you know, oh, I'm just so I'm so addicted to these Netflix shows. You know, I just every 45 minutes I get, I'm I'm, I'm watching the next episode." And then other people coming to me and said, "Oh man, how good was that Game of Thrones?" And I'm like, "Game of what? You know, when are we? When when was that ever a good thing to be watching as a Christian mm. or but a worker even more so? Uh, I had a workers kids come to my kids say, "Oh." Man, we we as a family we were watching Squid Game. I'm like, uh, whoa, who yeah. who does this, right? These are these are and th and this just keeps going. Manga and all these little trends that are going on. Um, and not to say the reels and the things that we can look at, the you know, TikToks and all that. All that consumption. Yeah. Okay, we got a social media epidemic. We need to be very careful with that. But it's not just social media. You know, there's a great there's a great statement. What is Netflix's biggest uh, biggest competitor? Um, well, ne apparently Netflix's biggest competitor is people sleep, right? So we're, we're, in, a, we're in an age where people are trying to, wow. to consume us. And then we haven't even started talking about what Mark Zuckerberg wants to do with the metaverse. And how, he wants to get that last five hours that you normally have of your day that you're normally living in reality into his reality and blah, blah, blah. So we, mm. this is something that we're going to have to tackle as, as kingdom workers in the future, especially with our new people coming on. So that's, there's a, there's a prediction, of course, we'll have to do. But in that now is what we're consumption, consuming. If we're consuming constantly things that are, are, are negative, constantly things that are sinful, things that are just, just repulsive mm. to the Holy Spirit, then my second part is that we need to be super sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when Paul says, when Paul says, be sensitive, to the Holy, um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And the first thing he says is he said, put away all bitterness. Bitterness hmm. harbors itself in all different ways. And I won't go into all the different ways you can, uh, you can spend time researching that. But, but bitterness is, it comes from 
all different elements and some of those elements are things that you consume but can you imagine if we want to be sensitive and do not grieve to the holy spirit but we sit there watching netflix on a bunch of shows that are that are displaying adulterous relationships or you know sexual mm -hmm. content or whatever well the holy spirit's just going to go ah uh, you know this is this is not for me you know of course the holy spirit you, you're sort of you're, you're pushing this relationship that you shouldn't have to be pushing with the holy spirit and i love the concept that um rt kendall talks about the holy spirit um he talks about the holy spirit as a dove a dove that is very sensitive the dove is easy to fly away from from you i'm not saying that you lose the, the holy spirit what i'm saying is there is a sensitivity to the holy spirit that we lose you know we lose that mm. deep relationship mm. with god the the the, 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 those type of giftings, those, those inner giftings that we get from the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more to say on this, but I'll try and keep that simple. And the third thing then is through that, that, that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is um, it elevates your ability to, to pray and pray in the right way and pray in the way that God calls us to pray because, of course, wow. the battle is not going to be won just by doing stuff here, right? Prayer is absolutely wow, essential. Wow. So prayer with people, prayer with others, but when you're praying, and if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you're actually He's illuminating things for you to pray in a way that you could never pray without without having that relationship. And again, what you consume, if you're consuming a bunch of junk hmm. on on social media or Netflix or whatever, then your prayer life gets twisted. You're, you're, yeah, you're going to reap a harvest of a bunch of junk coming out as well. I agree, and and this this goes further. And if I if I've been maybe so bold, look look. I've had opportunities over the years to lead young men's ministries. And one of my biggest fears, and, and it's been represented a couple of times, is young men struggling in the area of pornography and those types of things. And, and it's a very mm. real thing. Satan's very, very key mm. uh, and, and in trying to, to tear people apart in this. And it really does, it does give a foothold to the enemy. And when the enemy gets a foothold in that space, you know, you hear these guys, they're trying to pray. And as they're trying to pray, they're getting flashes of scenes that they've looked the night before into their eyes and they're not able wow. to you know, engage God. And, and it's, it's all corrupting everything they're doing. It corrupts their whole being. Mm. Um, and Jesus spoke very clearly mm. on this. So as a worker and as someone who has this, op God has chosen and given you this apostolic gifting, we have to protect that. We have uh, a, um, we have a, a, a duty, I suppose I could use a duty to be to rise above and be more holy in this. And Paul speaks about this clearly when he talks about the role of those who are in ministry. We have no choice hmm. but to step above and beyond what is required of a normal Christian. That's part of why we are here. Do you see patterns that Satan uses in workers, maybe in areas of identity or like you were talking about uh, media? Do you see patterns? Okay, so I think one of the big patterns that I see, especially where I am, it's very easy to get caught up into your daily lives and forget why you're actually here. It's very easy to mm. get caught into the, the, the lifestyle of, you know, expat communities. Actually, we saw this, and it doesn't really matter where you are, actually. We saw this in, in Yemen. We saw, yeah, we, we stay with one family. They said, we, we don't even like the local people. We're just here to help, mm, you know. Wow. And so, and, the, and you start to see that there were certain communities that within the working community, they would just go and send, spend their weekends at the sofa tell, you know, like um, mm. just sit in pools and no, there's no locals around. So that, and I think this is a prevalent thing. We see as people get more, they struggle with more and more, they're not seeing any fruit or they're not seeing any opportunities maybe. But they start to sort of draw, they drift away from their first reason to be here and they find themselves filling their lives with other purposes. And that, that, is, that is also led through 
um, their struggles, their identity. It hurts here and there, so they don't want to do that. It's hard, you know. It really is hard to give yourself over to other people. It really is hard, and to give yourself over to the work. It it, it never stops. It it really doesn't. And if we if we find ourselves spending our times in trying to book staycations each weekend and other things, then I think what we're doing is we're finding ourselves sort of escaping what we're actually supposed to be doing here. Um, that's a lot of what I see. Um, mm. And that, 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 that comes back to, I'd rather see one person on the field that is anointed yeah. to see them grow um, and grow, uh, just be, be pressing into it than 40 people who spend their weekends in, in staycations because, well, you know, mm. it's a nice thing to do go and visit all the tourist spots all the time and those types of things. I'm not saying that's bad to take a break, by the way. I'm not saying that. Please understand. Yeah. When breaks are necessary, breaks are necessary. And please, if you if, if you don't take a break, you're actually worse off. What I'm saying is when it be, when it goes the opposite direction, when you, you're justifying the way that you're living, you're spending your nights watching Netflix, you're, you know, you're avoiding um, people that you don't want to talk to anymore because it's too hard. Um, Mm. you're saving money and you're putting your resource into something else uh, and spending it into your own luxuries rather than going you know what i need to be spending my money on uh, putting together hampers or spending my money on on, on creating food for my neighbors and mm. uh, those types of things something that's going to impact the people around you rather than putting mm. your money towards your own luxuries you asked me to come back to uh, the, to training. What did you have to say about that? Yeah, I think the, this this training thing is very interesting. I was looking at when you you mentioned cloud workers, this concept of people that are coming out that aren't totally connected with organizations. I like that. I like that a lot. As long as we have a sending, mm. in my opinion, I'm going to be strong on this. So, but as long as there is a sending church and a, or a sending community. That is behind it. It may not be the organization. If there is an ascending community, maybe it is an organization that identifies and mentors and grows them and takes responsibility. But uh, all to say that when we actually, when we have this concept of cloud workers that are people coming in that are disconnected per se from organization, the question that comes up is like, how do we train them? Because the training mm -hmm. that we get is absolutely necessary for, for how we do things. You know, like you may not be using DBS, or you not be, be able to in place where you can be be applying DMM because there isn't that ability to apply because there's not enough people. But if you don't know these these trainings, then you're actually uh, at a um, this um, disadvantage. Disadvantage. Thank you. Disadvantage to to what where you should be, and that also helps you grow and some of these other things that we talked about you know, with your soul care and those types of things. How do we get the training to the people? that are coming as a, as a, as a cloud worker. And, and in my opinion, I think there's, there is so much good training out there. There's so many good things going on, but it's a lot of, it's all locked up in organizations, whether it's, um, you know, the, the big ones or the small ones, they, they have a lot of great training, but it's all kind of bound to their actually constituents. Um, mm. What I'd love to see is a breaking of that that rather than when you come as a cloud worker, then you come and you subscribe to the work that is going on um, or, or the training that is available to the organization per se. So for example, I'm subscribed to, I think, GLS, Global Leadership, whatever it's, um, I'm subscribed to um, Lausanne. I get some of their updates and that stuff. So I get their updates, I'm active, I'm able to sort of interact with certain people within those organizations because there's emails and stuff and I, I get to see and see if there's a um, an event happening or I can sign up to their trainings 
And that is really cool. But as organizations, we don't really have that function. But imagine if you could you could subscribe to an organization, one that's that's passionate about the region that you're in, that has experience being in the region, and you're able to subscribe to them and you're able to get regular updates, you get regular training um, invites to maybe some train online training that might be on. You might even you might even um, uh, you might even be able to interact with certain people, you know, just because you're you're subscribed. You you subscribe to them. I might mm. subscribe to one who give me great DMM training, and I might subscribe to another one that's really focused on media. So I I get to choose where what sort of training I'm at. You know, I get to look at some of their training programs, some of their onboarding, and 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 through through that process are able to discern where God is leading. It's like if you're in a place where you really need language, but you're struggling to get it because it's not really available, then you might subscribe to a certain organization that gives you um, some mm. tips and tricks and, and ways to do it. And even, you know, uh, and maybe able to, to sign up to one of their language training programs. I don't know. That's just for example. That, that that's the first thing the second thing is through that subscription there might be little programs or there might be mentoring programs or you know get to meet people who are who are willing to to help through difficult situations you know counseling and member care that are all built within these structures rather than being administratively and financially bound to an organization in the country which people are coming as cloud workers will not be but they, that is still absolutely important for them to be part of a community and be able to have access to the training. So I think that uh, in the future, if, if we see more of that, I, like I totally subscribe to some of the causes of some of the organizations here. So mm. I would have no problem with that. And in fact, being subscribed to something rather than being bound into something, it, it actually creates a bit more security freedom. It really does. Um, I don't want to go into that too much, but it really does because you're here as a, a marketplace worker or a cloud worker and you aren't really bound to something, but rather you are able to subscribe to something, which I think is totally, totally fine. You know, as a Christian, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm down with this organization's value for sure. I'm a Christian. I should be because it's mm. right in alignment with me. So I want to get their updates. I want to get their teachings. I want to know what they're talking about. I want to be part of this without being administratively and financially a part of it, which, you know, sometimes uh, is, a, is a tripwire for people. So. Yeah, no, that's very interesting and very helpful. I want to, listen, I want to, I want to do a hard pivot right now. We've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, I want to do a hard pivot and talk about discipleship. Yeah. Uh, I think discipleship is often presented in trainings and from the big stage as something very straightforward, you know, follow these eight steps, 10 best practices, whatever, you know, and you're going to get the results you want to see. But discipleship is super messy Mm -hmm. uh, and often very slow. What has been kind of your experience in the area of discipleship and kind of the, 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 the messiness of discipleship? Good. Yeah, this is a great question. First thing I'll say is like if you if you've not done it at home, then it's probably no good trying to do it over overseas. Mm. Um, secondly, mm, boom. <laughs> but secondly, you're right. It is it is absolutely messy, um, and discipleship will 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 display itself in all different ways, right? Um, there's peer discipleship. There's 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 those younger guys in the field that you'll be discipling, and there's also those that you're trying to reach and be discipling them as well. Mm. Um, and all of them will have will will have different pulls on your energy, and and you should be you should be, hundred percent should be involved in all those areas for sure. And being discipled, by the way, that that hundred mm. percent always you should. If you're not being discipled, then 
tell us you probably should go home and 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 not be here but and get um, discipled <laughs> yeah get discipled but and look and i and i and i just on that point i i will i am convinced that if if you haven't got someone that's discipling you or mentoring you if i may use that and it mm. should be multiple people in my opinion then mm. then spend some time praying about it and start looking around and and take some risks and and ask some people and you don't have to by the way on this you don't have to say to someone hey can you be my mentor you could just identify mm. someone and say, hey, I'd love to hang out with you more. I'd love to just catch up with you once a week. You don't have to talk about mentoring. Take the pressure off. Just just get to know them, mm. get to learn from them and bounce off them. There's some great experienced workers out there that would love, love, love to help some of the younger guys in the field or some of the people emerging wow. leaders. Amen. I, man, I think that advice is worth its weight in gold, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the only reason we are here is 10 years ago, we had an old couple who had more experience than I think we'll ever get, say to us, hey, we've got your back. We're always here for mm. you. And they, we started meeting with them weekly. Um, they had the time to do that at, 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 that, at that time. And it was because of them and you know, God leading us into that space, but because of their mentoring and their love and their leading and their care and their grace for us that we're still here, 100%. And they still do it. Wow. If we need if we've got a crisis, we get on the phone and we just bounce off them because that's what they're there for. Anyway, discipleship on the, and in fact, in crisis, most of the crisis is around the, the point of discipleship in some ways, but. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, 100%. And and so that, so you, then you've got peer-to-peer discipleship and then you've got the other lo- younger worker discipleship and then you've got the, the people they're working with. Um, I'm, I'm going to take a bit of a different perspective on this a little bit and say one of the things that we find with discipleship is that people workers sometimes get their identities stuck in certain situations like let's say let's say for example a worker has their couple or their family or the individual that they're they're supposed to be discipling what i've seen i think this is a little bit sad is there's this there's this very much a um this is mine this is my deal um it's mm. my this is my guy or this is my fam whatever um and and because of that, what we've seen over the years, and there's some great studies in this space for this region where mm. um, that what we found is that after things sort of go AWOL or something happens where people get kicked out of the country or whatever, that they're all of a sudden that person's left isolated and things fall apart. and Or the person that was discipling them, we also have seen this, goes AWOL and they start self-medicating <laughs> or something. And then that person that mm. they were supposed to be discipling just gets disillusions and leave the faith again. Yeah. So, wow. so I believe that discipleship is is a is a body of Christ model where we have a certain worker community. Yes, you may not be involved in other people, and I'm not saying that workers should all be crowding around one or two people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if someone has been chosen to do something, then there should be a community around that person, praying, serving, being behind that. Um, and um, if that community is growing, then that serving serving heart of the of the workers should be behind that to help that person disciple or that cu- disciple that couple um in in that process but often what i've seen is like oh we've got this we've got it sorted we don't need any help yeah. with this and people get hurt doing that because not just relationships get hurt but actually the person that's doing that is actually taking away the opportunity for other people to be praying to be 
serving to be to, to resourcing you know and it takes away a little bit of trust so uh, mm. that that in itself is 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 part of the discipleship journey and then when you you're involved in discipleship with that face value with the people that god has called you to disciple oh my gosh i mean mm. this this is is really it's really tough going and there is there is more grace than you ever have been given that you that you ever that god is you know, there's more grace than you ever have you need more grace because and god has to give you that grace for these people the things that they do is just wildly out of proportion uh, yeah. and and sadly with the people that we work with um, we often see a lot of betrayals lying as part of their culture you know things that they do mm. and we were, um, sometimes i've seen in some cultures there's a certain degree of laziness, and then there's other with these these secret agendas to get out of countries mm. to 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 for mm. you to really just help them be the next skip and the jump into a different country. You know, um, I've seen more of these than genuine issues that need to be dealt with. But I believe that wow. that a person that has been discipled, a lo- uh, if a, if a, if an MBB, someone who's coming to Christ uh, as part of the discipleship journey. They need to recognize there's this, there is a, there is a massive demonic element that needs to be identified and dealt with as part of the journey, um, and that's a really mm. really delicate journey to take because it's not something you can just walk in and say, "Hey, I've got all these answers." But time and time again, we have seen MVBs who, through you know, number of years into their journey, have have had. A, have gone through a process where they've needed to have a demonic release from things they've done in the past. Um, we've seen manifestations that have just been, um, and I don't want to go down this road into the subject now, but these are all very important elements. So being open to that, being able to pivot, be able to navigate, be able to listen, be able to discern. And that takes me back to those three elements I talked about earlier with integrity and purity and um, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and prayer, because without those things, we're going to struggle to disciple anyone. Because we're mm. we're not closely in relationship, we're not listening, not praying for the people that we're discipling, and be open, and and the because every from my from from our experience, we've had people we've discipled that have been just wanting to get into a Western church and have no interest in in that they want to cut everything else and they're, they're done. They've got no ties. They yeah. just want to go. Oh well, am I a C one? Or oh, if you want to talk C's, I can say that C one. Uh, yes, maybe. I don't know. But then there's others where it's a slow journey of breaking cultural and 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 and, and spiritual and and um, religious, you know, religious cords slowly, slowly, and then they slip, and then they come forward, and they slip. So, and every person is different. We've seen people who are from the extreme area of Islam, and they're normally extremely wanting to get out. You know, that's their personality. And there's others that are just, nah, you know. Yeah, I like this, and then they just sort of float off, and you think, "Well, I put all this energy into that person, and they just float it off." Mm. But that doesn't mean we give up. I don't. I don't remember Jesus giving up on mm. you know. He, he. He. I think that if we take the journey into the point where we're always ready, and if someone walk, we've had a number of people walk away and just go back, and yeah. we're just like, "Where yeah, do we yeah, go yeah, wrong?" For sure. Well, we sit with the mentors, and they're like, "You know what? This this is part of the process. This is going to happen." Okay, we, we learned from that. Let's let's look at some of the mistakes that we made. Let's acknowledge them and let's move on. And um, God is gracious and maybe God will bring someone else into life in the future. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus wasn't 
He wasn't in a hurry for anything. Uh, there's no sense of rushing uh, in Jesus's ministry, and there's also no sense of there's no sense of numbers. I don't get any, when I, when I read the Gospels and and the rest of the New Testament. Frankly, there's no sense of like we need speed and we need massive results. Uh, no, there, there just seems to be an okayness with slow, messy, sloppy, one step forward, two steps backwards. We are in a time right now that is unique in history. We have never seen mm. a growth within these peoples like we are to, seeing today. Wow, never, not even not even that. five years ago, not even five years mm. ago. All across the region, it's dramatic. One hundred percent. So we, we, we in some ways have got, you just said, you, as you said, the numbers things. We have no, we should be not complaining about any of that. Right? <laughs> we should be like celebrating the fact That's that a good we have more numbers yeah. than we've ever seen, more potential than ever seen, and, and more ability to access these people. I mean, it goes back to my mm. media time, but it's true. And, and actually, it's not even needing to go back to it. The media that is available now for any mm person to just start doing things it's just there's yeah. enough content out there we don't need to create more content i mean we we do but not not at scale and we really need to be working on what does it look like to see these people you know re responding but we're in a very unique time in history where this is exploding but it, it's also the tricky it's also extremely tricky and it's also hmm. uh, there's going to be some challenges with this. We know this because we've seen this in other places like China and other places where where hmm. people start to bring in their their Christian identity into the space and all that. But we have a we have a real opportunity like we've not seen before, and I think we should be celebrating that. Yeah, amen to that. I think that's a very good reminder that man, you know that 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 what is what is happening across the Arab world. Uh, and not isolated to a country or to a region, but really across the 22 countries of the Arab world is unprecedented, probably in the last 1400 years yeah. of Islam. There's probably more happening today than there ever has been when it comes yeah. to Muslims coming to faith in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and you know, maybe in my corner, I, I see some stuff. Maybe I don't have 20,000 house church churches, you know, no. that call me their pastor or something. Uh, and that's, that's perfectly, yeah. A, yeah, that's right. And that's okay. But what God, what God is doing and what is happening in general is phenomenal. And I think, man, I think that's a good perspective. It's a good reminder for me. There's always this drive for more. I want to see more. I want to see more. But it is good to step back and say, wow, what's happening? What God is doing is incredible i think that's only going to grow i think there's the you know from just thinking and praying and, and i and i have to have faith that this is this is going to happen that we're going to see an explosion within these peoples like has never been seen before more than what we're even seeing now mm. and, and there's rumors and there's things going on i mean uh, it's not a place to talk about that but there's stuff happening that we don't know about that is amazing yeah. and and i think that yeah. i think that god's not just going to use you know the, the average Joe worker just for his hour, you know, our, for all of his mm. work, right? We're not, we're not the, the end game. We're not, we, the buck doesn't stop with us. The buck spot yeah. stops with God. He does things yeah. that we will never even know that's going on until we get into glory. We're like, oh, look, I didn't expect all you guys to be here. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is, this is, 
was it um, Tozer or Spurgeon? One of them said, you know, there's three things that he's three surprises he's going to have when he gets to heaven. He's going to be surprised about who's there, surprised that who's not there, and surprised that he's there. So it's like, um, <laughs> I think uh, we, we we don't know what God's doing. I think He's doing remarkable things, even without us, and He will continue to do that. Um, we often come across people that pop out of nowhere and then they disappear again. We're like, oh, what happened mm. with them? Well, I don't think they lost their faith. I think God has a different purpose and a different role, and we mm. don't need to be involved in that, and that's okay. Mm. Mm. Well, hey, amen to that. That's a great place to stop. Hey, thanks uh, so much for being with me today. Fascinating conversation. You have so much insight, and uh, I'm very happy to have been with you. Thanks so much. No, thank you for your time. I really appreciate the opportunity. Wow. Amen to that. No, thank you for the opportunity of hearing your thoughts and your ideas, your passion. I absolutely love it. Hey, thank you for making it to the end of the podcast. I know it's been over an hour and that is not an easy thing to do in our in our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok world. So well done. Hey, remember, it's okay to be normal. <laughs>